This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, I was talking to somebody earlier today and saying, you know, time is just an illusion. It's just a blink of an eye. And, uh, you know, when you're younger, you take advantage of all of that or you you take it for granted, I should say. But as you get older, you start to realize that, you know, 50 years is a long time, but it's also something to celebrate, which is exactly what Sport NL is doing. Back in 1972, Sport NL was formed to support amateur sporting activity in the province. Well, sport has always been strong in Newfoundland and Labrador, but has continued to grow over the last half century. There's a lot of exciting things happening out there right now. And here to tell us about some of the victories and challenges over that length of time is none other than Sport NL Executive Director, Troy Croft. Hi! Hi, how are you? Great. Happy anniversary. Oh, thank you very much. That's a lot of years of athletes, coaches, games, volunteers to celebrate. It is. It is. It's, uh, it is a long time, and you're right. It, uh, it goes by in a blink of an eye. And like I say, I've been with this organization for not quite <laughs> 50 years, but, uh, but a fair, fair amount of years. And, and I tell you, it goes, it goes by fast. So how did it all get started? Uh, well, you know, back in the in the 70s, um, you know, uh, sport was needed a governing body. So I guess there was a group of individuals that got together and uh, and formed an organization and, you know, took on a number of members under the umbrella. Um, you know, government was played part of the role as well in terms of forming, uh, you know, uh, an umbrella group that would, um, you know, provide programs and services to uh, the sporting groups in the province. And, uh, and 50 years later, here we are still doing the same thing amazing so uh, uh, what exactly is sport and role because i mean there's leagues out there there's organizations uh, various sports associations so how does sport and act as the governing body over all of that yeah, and that's and that's exactly you know what we're going to be celebrating. You know, we're we're the governing you know body for amateur sport. We don't you know we're not we're not on the ground delivering all the programs. We have all these volunteers, all these associations. You know, we have 55 of our own members. They're the ones out there delivering the programs. Um, you know that the, that all the children in the province take part in and participate in. So so we're a support organization that provides you know support uh, in terms of administrative support, program support, policy support, and, and those sorts of things so so you know we're we're supporting them so we'll we will be celebrating basically their accomplishments for the most part i mean certainly sport NL has had uh, has a number of programs and services as well of its own but you know we certainly wouldn't be able to do this without our members and and we're certainly going to be celebrating their accomplishments over the last 50 years as well you mentioned policy support and i'm thinking in terms of a lot of these organizations some are much bigger than others some are very very small depending on where they happen to be so um do you get calls from people saying look we've got this uh, a little basketball league we're doing these things we just wanted to know what we should do in terms of policy here or setting this up or doing these things like do you get those types of calls exactly yeah i mean you know for the most part a lot of people they want to spend their time coaching or, or you know developing players or running the organization so they don't have a lot of time to develop the policies that they require and especially today uh you know you need a lot of uh, a lot of different policies to be able to run your organization effectively and that's where we can play a role so we provide you know those sorts of things to organizations and, and, and keep in mind that a lot of our organizations, all of our 55 members, I would say two-thirds of them, are run by strictly volunteers, no staff. So, 
you know, these are the people around their kitchen tables who are running programs. So the last thing they, they want to be doing is, is all this administrative work. So that's where we can support them in helping them, whether it's governance documents, whether it's policies around, um, you know, different aspects of their sport that they should have in place, you know, whether it's safe sport policies or, um, you know, um, government governance policies around board of directors, that sort of thing. So, so that's really the role we play. And, uh, you know, we're happy to support our members and, and allow them to do, you know, the real work and uh, in terms of the program delivery, getting getting the, uh, you know, the programs uh, that exist in our province uh, up and running. It's also complicated, and it's not until you sort of get a, a feel for it, you know, within the sporting community that you realize just how extensive the work is and the dedication. Um, administration alone has to be a bit of a nightmare because you're taking money in and you're, you're putting the programs together and you're ensuring that everybody's up to date and, uh, I, you know, everybody's getting a fair. It, it just seems overwhelming when I think about it. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot to it, and I mean, you know, um, especially from a you know uh, being responsible and making sure that there's you know that the organization is being run in in a responsible way. I mean, and a lot of people, for the most part, they 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 don't know some how to how to do some of these things, and and a lot of our you know a lot of our organizations they try to recruit volunteers that have some expertise in these areas, whether it's lawyers, accountants, you know, marketing people, you know, there's all kinds of areas that uh, that are organizations need and, um, you know, work on in the run of a year. So, yeah, it's, you know, the start of it is only setting up the organization, then, you know, running it effectively, recruiting volunteers, you know, keeping volunteers is, is difficult for a lot of our organizations, uh, training them, providing them with, you know, uh, insurance, making sure all that stuff is in place. There's a lot of organizations that don't realize that how important the insurance is these days. So, so there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot behind the scenes. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of people just see what goes on in the fields and the rinks and the courts and stuff like that but there's there's certainly a lot of administrative aspects to uh, to running amateur sport in the province and fundraising it seems like this is always a yeah. continuous cycle of fundraising and just when you get one fundraiser over oh we got to fundraise again for the next big uh, event or tournament uh, so it, you know that that is a, a steady process oh, yeah it's it's constant i mean that's one of the things i mean you know it's it's unfortunate but you know today in today's day and age there's you know it, it's it's expensive to to play sport and to participate in sports. So there's always fundraising happening, whether it's to travel, whether it's to just keep your program running. Uh, you know, a lot of organizations they get you know only a limited amount of funding that is available through certain government programs. So it's it's certainly not enough to keep programs uh, up and running. Registration fees, of course, are a big bulk of that. But that's you know that burden falls to the families and the parents that pay those registration fees. But fundraising is definitely a, a component that never stops, no matter what you're trying to do as an organization. You you know, you need those, uh, you know, those donors within your organization or the sponsors within your organization that, uh, you know, that keep those programs running. And uh, it's uh, it's challenging. And it's uh, there's only so many dollars to go around. So everybody's kind of, you know, fighting for the same dollar type of thing. So it's it's definitely a tricky, uh, a tricky piece to navigate for all of our organizations. You mentioned sponsoring. And that's a big one, of course, is the business communities. I mean, we know all about COVID and everything that's been happening. But is the business community still a big supporter of uh, local sport? Do people have trouble getting those sponsorships to put on those jerseys or in those courts or, or rinks? 
Yeah, no, I think I think the business community is is very supportive of amateur sport in our province, and um, you know, it, it's 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 just a lot of those smaller ones that people got to do a lot more work for type of thing. Because I mean, those sponsors they they certainly have to uh, only have so much to give out as well. So I mean, they have to make sure that it aligns with their uh, you know their principles and values as organizations, and and you know they got a, a tough job picking which uh, which organization. And for a lot of them, it's it's not just sport. There's many organizations out there that are running programs in the province. So it's uh, it's always tricky to uh, you know to keep those sponsors. They'll you know they may uh, you know sponsor sport for a couple two three years and then move on to something different, another discipline. So so it's but but the, the giving in our province is definitely uh, is definitely uh, healthy, and uh, our, our sponsors and our local our local community and our corporate partners, they certainly do a good job, but it's just, like I say, they have decisions to make just like anyone else in terms of where they spend their money. My guest today on On Target is Sport NL Executive Director Troy Croft. They're celebrating 50 years, would you believe? We'll have more right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. My guest today on On Target is the Executive Director of Sport NL, Troy Croft, and we're talking about 50 years of Sport NL in Newfoundland and Labrador. And Troy, how has the local sporting community grown over the last 50 years? Yeah, I mean... Certainly numbers, of course, I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, um, a lot more sports today than there was. I mean, we're looking back through a lot of our documents, some old minutes and some old uh, archives and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, there's there's a fair number, you know, you're probably, you know, uh, 20 or 30 members, but now we've grown to 50 or 55 members. But I think today there's just so much more available to, to kids to try these days. There's a lot of different uh, sports now available to, to kids, not just sport but any type of activity really so definitely uh, definitely the numbers of uh, of, um, of programs that are available and then of course you you have all kinds you know of, of different disciplines within a sport so you might have a club program you might have a private program you know provincial team program that sort of thing so there's definitely definitely a wide range of, uh, of activities available now and then of course you know um, you know the programs themselves are one thing but of course the people running them and you know the number of people that have been involved over the years uh you know looking through some of the names and in, in some of the documents you know you recognize them but you didn't realize they were uh, you know involved years ago so so a lot of, a lot has changed but some things have, have stayed the same as well and you know when you when you grow as as an organization sometimes you think you know it's, it's much different from years ago but when you look back through all these things some of the same issues keep cropping up uh you know 30 40 50 years ago that we're dealing with now just in a different manner is that right? Uh, I'm thinking in terms of, as well of access to facilities and infrastructure because, you know, as sports develop and become more popular or, um, you know, the number of uh, participants grows, you're, you need access to more space, more facility, more time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, time is big in a lot of these facilities. Uh, so what about access? Is it improving? Is there room for uh, improvement there? Yeah, I think there's always room for improvement, but I think you know one of the things we will certainly be celebrating is is that piece, the legacy of of certain uh, events like major events like Canada Games, you know, for example. So in '77, obviously, was our first Canada Games we held in St. John's. Then we had one in '99 in Cornerbrook, and now we're due to host again in 2025. So 
obviously the legacy from those those events are the, those facilities but uh, as you know as you indicated you know there's once you build those facilities and everybody wants to use them so you know getting access to the facilities is certainly uh, certainly grows over time and you know a lot of a lot of facilities are becoming multi-use facilities now so it's not just sports specific facilities even though it's a swimming pool there's you know or a, or a you know a, a, you know a field house or something like that there's there's many sports looking to access these facilities for different uh, different types of programming so so yeah so that's definitely a big legacy that we'll we'll certainly touch on in our uh, in our celebration over the next year or so and um, you know it's 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 never enough uh, you know it's uh, you can always use more you know hockey arenas I know there's you know they could probably have just twice as many hockey arenas and still give away the ice time uh, during the prime time hours that sort of thing so so definitely you know facilities have definitely improved over the last 50 years we've gotten some fantastic facilities in our province you know the the, the powerplex on Crosby Road the Newfoundland Labrador Sports Center that's you know that's a fairly new facility that's that was much needed so but again you know we need we need more um, you know lots of conversations with some of our partners you know around you know when new schools are being built you know keep in mind that you know the facilities are are, are usable you can be used by the community in general no matter what it is so access to schools you know that's that's one thing that uh, you know i think has, has gotten better over the years but i think we still still can improve in a lot of those areas for sure and even uh, some of the newer schools that are being built some have uh, lots of land that they can develop outdoor facilities and others do not uh it, it, you know is that it is some municipalities better than others in in that regard and of course it all comes down to dollars and cents too which is well understood uh some areas you know has the demand but maybe not necessarily the facility to do it yeah, for sure. And, and again, it comes down to priorities. And again, in terms of, you know, building a new school, what, you know, is it oh, put the school on hold, you know, for, for a couple of years or whatever, so you, so you can, you know, build those extra facilities that you require, or is the school the priority? So so it's always around priorities and, and uh, you know, what the needs are of the community and, of course, what the community can afford. So, you know, I look at the, you know, one example in this area is the new Waterford Valley High School on uh, Topsail Road. I mean, that's, you know, from what I understand, it's, you know, it's a great facility in terms of outdoor facilities plus the the gymnasium and and other facilities so uh, not sure how much community use is there but i do know i I have heard some some community groups that do use that uh, that facility but but yeah there's you know there's i think it's just a a matter of how we use them and how we can get access to them and again some of the some of the issues around those things is insurance i mean that's always a big thing as well in terms of liability so it's it's you know it's easy to say you can use the schools but again there's there's risk involved to the to the to the government who owns those facilities and you know those things had to be taken into account as well. And of course, in recent years, we don't have to talk about COVID, uh, some of the restrictions in place there that sort of limited options. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, COVID is uh, that really set a lot of a lot of groups back, but you know, they're they're bouncing back, and but it's it's still in our community, and you know, a lot of our groups are still dealing with it, and are hesitant to you know continue full on with their programs. While others, they've you know they've moved past it, and and, and they're operating as if it never even happened. So, definitely a lot of uh, a lot of different feelings out there about it, and uh, different approaches on how they uh, how they continue now. You know that were hopefully past uh, the worst of it, of course. Certain sports, of course, have always been popular here. Hockey comes immediately to mind on naturally. Softball was always big, but that's being sort of replaced by baseball now. And baseball has been around for a long time. What kind of sports are starting to emerge and, and build over the last few decades? 
Yeah, funny you mentioned baseball, and they, they're actually celebrating an anniversary this year as well. Newfoundland baseball are celebrating their 75th anniversary this year, so there's there's definitely uh, a lot of those sports that have been around for a long time. But uh, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of uh, you know new sports out there, and you know some that come to mind. You know, sports like ultimate, for example. You know, that's really grown in popularity over the last number of years. Um, uh, you know, just looking at some, thinking about some of the other sports that are out there. Um, you know, curling obviously has, has grown drastically with Team Guju, the success they're having. You know, we've got some young curling teams coming up and up now, Team Young, you know, so there's there's a lot of success. And, and you know, those that plays a role, you know, they, they, they are, you know, they provide inspiration to some of the kids to take take that sport on and to possibly be an Olympian one day. So there's, there's definitely a lot of sports out there, you know. There's been a lot that are around that you'll see that kind of, they were there 50 years ago, they went away for a while, now they're coming back again. So it's uh, it's it's just an ebb and flow, and in, in terms of you know the uh, the sports that kind of crop up, and of course, it's the will of people to, to get those organizations up and running, and you had to have some champions to you know to be willing to put in the time to uh, to develop those. You know, we have canoe kayaking; it's a it's a brand new sport for us. We're trying to develop for for 2025 Canada Games, so we you know we've located a couple of individuals that will champion that sport and help that grow that sport over the next couple of years, and hopefully we we have some Canada Games uh, you know medalists in in the mix over the next two or three years leading to 2025 football i see is starting to emerge here as well i grew up in montreal of course our high school had a football team so i'm familiar with it but it it took me a long time to get used to the fact that i didn't see those big (laughs) those big goal posts you know standing up uh, and now we have them we have them down in the pennywell road area um so that's starting to build as well and there's been a huge resurgence in cricket yeah, yeah, cricket is definitely yeah, they definitely uh, they've definitely grown over the last number of years. They they're one of our newer members, of course, you know, and I say new probably within the last, you know, 10 years for sure. But uh yeah, cricket is definitely growing in popularity and uh you know, they're one of our our, our members that uh you know, they're they're always they're always, you know, there to look for some uh you know, uh help or assistance or, you know, some policy development, you know, run things by us, that sort of thing. So yeah, so they they definitely have a great group of volunteers behind and so fun to watch yeah yeah exactly oh my gosh i I still can't figure it out and what a googly is and all that stuff but it's so fun to watch (laughs) very popular though (laughs) for sure i took in some of those ones they had in harbor grace there a few years ago right Uh, wow that was really really interesting i have to say and of course cricket used to be popular in harbor grace a century ago so it's coming back (laughs) yeah yeah exactly my guest today on on target is sport nl executive director troy croft uh we're going to talk a little bit about covid because you and i have been doing that a lot lately Mm. uh Um, But, uh, you know, I noticed the tournaments are back, so that's all very exciting when we come back right after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show, midnight on your VOCM. My guest today is SportNL Executive Director Troy Croft, celebrating 50 years of SportNL in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I'm sure, Troy, when those uh, first group of people came together to form the organization, uh, no one had any idea that uh, down the road they'd be navigating a pandemic. Definitely not. I don't think anybody would have uh, would have thought that uh, you know today or 50 years ago. It's uh, it was definitely a, a one of the bigger challenges I would think that the sports sector has uh, has faced. What was it like navigating all of that? I mean, things ground to a virtual halt. Yeah, it was it was challenging because you know on one side you had you know. Um, 
I guess the, the administrators who had to be cautious about what they were doing, you know, to protect, you know, the people that were involved with their programs. And then, of course, you had, once you got to a certain point, you know, when people were tired of not being able to participate, you had, you know, a lot of people who wanted to get back and, you know, it didn't matter what, uh, you know, what that took to get get them back. So it was definitely challenging um, to kind of manage both sides of that. And, of course, not to mention the impact it would have had on the organizations, you know, not having, uh, you know, their programs up and running that, you know, that was it was a significant blow in terms of, um, you know, finances to the organization. Now, there were certainly some uh, programs out there that they could avail of, but, uh, you know, it's it was it was a challenge. And I mean, I think if this went on a little bit longer, some of our organizations probably would not have survived it. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it was getting to the point where definitely where a lot of organizations were making decisions on whether or not they could continue on uh, with their programming, with their offerings. But, you know, they uh, they stuck with it. And, you know, that's that's the beauty of the volunteers. You know, they found a way to do it. And, you know, that's that's what we have uh, in terms of our, our, our the group of people that runs amateur sport in our province. You know, they're dedicated and, and you know, they want to make sure that, you know, no matter what, that they the programs stayed and were available once things got back to normal. And, and you know, we're certainly seeing the fruits of that right now. What was it like communicating public health policy and applying it to each individual program? Because it would be look very different for martial arts as it would for uh, gymnastics than it would for baseball or hockey. Yeah, that was a huge challenge because you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, even though the the guidance that was coming out from government was, you know, was intended to, uh, you know, be global, it was uh, when you got down to each individual sport, there was something somewhere within the guidance that just didn't fit and you know you had to make sure you get the clarification make sure you understood it because at the end of the day there was there was certain liabilities that those organizations weren't and risk they weren't willing to take on and and move forward without having the clarification so it was definitely challenging you know we had we spent a lot of our time developing return to sport plans so each individual sport had to have a plan to be able to return to whatever whatever level of activity they wanted to or felt comfortable uh, uh, going ahead with and uh, you know that took a lot of effort uh, by the groups themselves, the sports, to develop those plans. Uh, you know, we reviewed them, government reviewed them, so there was a lot of a lot of effort and time spent on that. And then, of course, when the next wave hit, we had to revise them. So, so there was definitely a lot of work put in on that, and um, not everything fit for everybody. So it was it was definitely uh, a lot of communication, and uh, you know, we had uh, we had an excellent relationship with government and with public health. We were in constant contact. So any questions, concerns we had from our members, we were able to take back and get the answer for but but it took time and that was the thing it took time to get those answers especially the the volume and it wasn't just the sports sector of course looking for those answers so so uh yeah it was uh, it was it was time consuming uh frustrating and you know uh, a lot of groups you know wanted the answers sooner than they were getting them and unfortunately it just it just didn't happen that way just because again of the sheer volume but it was it was challenging but we got through it and uh, hopefully we're on the other side of it now so a lot of tournaments have resumed and it really is starting to feel like things are returning to normal, are they? Yes, uh, you know, we're definitely getting that sense. And as I mentioned earlier, there's still some some groups that are still a little cautious. And, you know, you know, I think people are, uh, you know, you hear the term people are COVID out. So, I mean, some some people are tuning things out and, you know, you're not really aware as much as how much COVID is still in the community. And, and some of our sports are seeing, especially indoor sports, outdoor sports, as we've, as we've seen over the last couple of years, those have always been the safest activities to participate in. But the indoor sports, uh, 
uh, we're still seeing some impacts there in terms of uh, numbers that are coming out and willing to participate uh, in, in some of those indoor events. Just I guess it's just, uh, you know, people are being a little more cautious when they're indoors. But it's, uh, you know, for the most part, I think, you know, people are getting back to their normal activities, but there definitely are still some of those lingering uh, li- lingering effects of COVID with some of our some of our groups that are being a little more cautious. Uh, volunteers, of course, the heart and soul of the sporting community. And, and unless you've been involved in, in a sport, either as a player or, in, or even a spectator, you really don't get an understanding of how much everything relies on the hard work and dedication of volunteers. People still coming forward? Yes, uh, yes and no. I mean, people, you know, we had, we, we definitely saw some people step away and, uh, you know, NL games, for example, we've, you know, we missed two NL games uh, during this whole thing. Canada games got postponed. You know, now we're, now we're faced with, you know, a, 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 a log jam of, of major games in the next three years, including 2025 Canada games we're hosting. So, you know, and that, and that was one of the reasons why some of those were, were postponed. They just didn't have the volunteers people weren't weren't willing to you know put themselves at risk in that environment so they stepped away um you know so no doubt i think some some sports have lost some volunteers due to it but i think uh you know i think on the other end there's been a you know a lot of dedicated volunteers who have been around for a year that have remained so i think it's a it's a bit of both i think you know uh there's been uh, definitely a loss of some volunteers and uh you know you you got your steady you know your 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 core group of volunteers that are there no matter what and will remain and uh, but unfortunately it's i think it's it's definitely having it, it's always an issue volunteers are always an issue you can never have enough uh, too many volunteers and i think covid definitely has played an impact uh, in that area many people of course offer themselves up when they or their children are actively involved in sports but others offer themselves up well beyond that do you get many people who dedicate themselves lifelong to to sport yeah, there's definitely those people out there, and you know, depends on the sport, depends on you know what their involvement is. Some people get involved, you know, they don't have kids involved, and as you just mentioned, a lot of people certainly get involved because they do have kids involved, and uh, a lot of them probably move on when their kids are finished. But some of them certainly will stay. And I think a lot of it is about the experience they have, and I mean, you know, we it's one of the areas that you know that's really concerning right now, and it's you know some sometimes it's not a volunteer position, but sport can't happen without a but officials, you know, officials. You know, nothing, no, no sports competition can happen without officials, and you know the, you know the abuse and and the, you know the things that some of, some of our officials got to put up with. It's it's discouraging, and it's why they don't stick around. And you know that's the same with other volunteers. You know, there's uh, there's it's all about the experience they have when they're volunteering. If they have a good experience and the organization is well run, and you know even a little bit of recognition sometimes goes a long way as well. Um, but unfortunately. You don't always get that, and you you get a lot of instances where, uh, you know, officials are, are are being abused, and you know, in terms of, you know, making wrong calls or you know people not happy happy with certain things, and and that's why I mean that's that's why they leave. So, so it's definitely an issue, and uh, you know, volunteers definitely are are the heart and soul of of amateur sport in, in this province, and without them, we we certainly wouldn't be able to run our our programs. I guess it could be argued that over 50 years, that's something that's really 
attitudes have changed so dramatically when it comes to respect in sport because I've heard stories we've all had that uncle or cousin or you know mother who said you know I can remember this game back and and they were in the stands and they were doing this and doing that and the officials were you know and you know you hear these stories these horror stories and sometimes you see them yourself playing out in front of you and uh, it's really quite shocking in some cases but our attitudes obviously are changing towards that yeah, I think so, and that's you know, and I, and I think it's just a uh, a product of the environment. There's 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 been so much of it going on for so many years, and now there's a you know there's a movement to kind of stop that, and and that's why you know the policy piece is so important nowadays. You know, I mean, we a lot of the a lot of the work we do is around policy, and I mean, there's you know there could be 20 policies that an organization could be using, everything from you know an abuse policy, a discipline policy, you know, uh, appeal policies, you know, even social media policies nowadays. In the, in days in the world of social media is important, you know, uh, risk management. So there's a lot of, definitely a lot of policies that, you know, you, you'd see today that you would never have seen, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago for sure. But um, but it's just the nature of it now. It's just it's just the world we live in. And, you know, there's always the, uh, the, the litigation and the threats of litigation that are thrown around. So, I mean, organizations have no choice but to protect themselves and have these policies in place. Social media is such a huge one. I mean, it's one thing to hear somebody... Uh, screaming, you idiot, <laughs> you know, what are you doing? That kind of thing is another one to have it show up in your feed. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's that's the unfortunate thing about it now, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, sometimes it's it's a good thing because, you know, it's available and, you know, you can, you know, it's not hearsay, you know, you're seeing it, but uh, but for the most part, it's not good because, you know, people are posting anything and everything, and, and you really have to be careful, uh, you know, what you're posting and, and you know, what you're doing and, and that sort of thing, but there's definitely a, a bigger lens on it today. My guest today on On Target is Sport NL Executive Director Troy Croft, uh, celebrating 50 years of Sport NL in Newfoundland and Labrador. We'll be back right after this. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. My guest today is Executive Director of Sport NL, Troy Croft. And how are, Troy, are you marking the anniversary? Any special events? Well, mostly it's uh, it's going to be a celebration, a social media celebration. <laughs> Funny, we talked about social media a few minutes ago, but yeah, social media in terms of you know recognizing the accomplishments, achievements of our our members, some milestones throughout the you know last 50 years, uh, you know such as you know Canada Games in '77, uh, those sorts of th- things. Some of the things that we've been doing, uh, we are planning an event for later in the year. Uh, still working on that, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it's like I say, it's a celebration of of our members and. and and there, you know, a lot of their milestones and accomplishments because, you know, without our members, uh, Sport of L wouldn't uh, wouldn't really exist. So, so we definitely want to share it with them. Well, nowadays, as you just indicated, we love sharing things online or on social media. But uh, previously, accomplishments were often confined to newspaper clippings in an old photo album, or family histories, or awards in a shelf or in a box in the basement somewhere. Are, are you looking for stories and pictures to help fill some of those blanks and celebrate uh, our history? Yes, for sure. So, you know, people can certainly go to our website, sportnl.ca, and, uh, you know, they'll see it front and center on our webpage. And there's definitely a, an area where people can win and submit a story. And, again, we're looking for uh, anything and everything, you know, uh, anything we can celebrate. Again, it's it's everybody's, you know, celebration, really. It's uh, it's about sport in the province for the last 50 years. So we'd certainly, while we have uh, we have uh, we have a lot, we certainly would, would love to get more. And uh, anyone out there that has... 
you know, some pictures, some uh, stories they want to share, they can certainly submit a story through our website. I just love looking at all the hairstyles. They've <laughs> <laughs> certainly changed over the last 50 years. So. They are short, then they're long, then they're short, <laughs> then they're long. Um, gear alone has changed dramatically over the years. I was watching a show the other day. It wasn't, oh my goodness, it was only 20 or 25 years old. But uh, there was a scene where this fellow was putting on hockey gear, and it looked like he was putting on bad Halloween costume of hockey equipment. You know what I'm saying? The gear has changed so dramatically over the years as well. Oh, well, I mean, you know, certainly technology has certainly taken or, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at some of these uh, hockey goalies and some of the stuff they wore back. I mean, geez, you wouldn't even think about wearing it now. Uh, but yeah, that's you know, that's uh, it's one of the things that have changed over the last 50 years: the technology. And you know, with technology comes uh, you know different equipment. I mean, you know, the sticks and the you know the curling brooms and all the equipment that players use nowadays are definitely more technical than they were years ago. But um, you know, but the game has changed as well. You know, the game is you know certainly faster. You know. Definitely, definitely technology has taken on a bigger role in terms of anal- analytics and stuff like that. So, again, it's just one of those things, you know, we'll look back in another 50 years and, you know, that the, the technology we're using today will be uh, the same thing. It'll be outdated and you, would, you won't believe, you wouldn't believe that it w- was used 50 years ago. So, so I guess it's all cyclical and all comes, uh, you know, as you, as you grow and as things, uh, like I say, as we said at the start, you know, things change in a blink of an eye. Sport development and, and athlete development, uh, how is that uh, working out? I mean, how do we compete uh, on the global stage? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely more technical. I mean, there's definitely more people involved in terms of the technical aspect. And, you know, you have more, you know, different types of coaches. Obviously, you have your your, your, your coach that's training skill development. But, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of those athletes that are getting to the international, national uh, stage, Olympics, stuff like that, I mean, they're using more and more different types of coaches, whether it's strength coaches, whether it's mental coaches, mental health coaches, mental, um, you know, um, coaches in terms of their – um, uh, being able to focus and, you know, different types of uh, doctors, physiotherapists, all these types of, uh, you know, coaches that are involved now to, to keep an athlete uh, prepared. And uh, it's it's happening all over the world. So, I mean, we, we certainly, our athletes certainly got to find ways to do that as well. We've managed to develop those, some Olympic medalists, Paralympic medalists, uh, countless national and international champions. Uh, any highlights over the last 50 years worthy of mention? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously in today's day and age, you've got <laughs> Obviously, you know, the most recent, you know, Team Guja, the success they've been having. You know, you had the Katarina Roxons, the Liam Hickeys of the world. Uh, you know, one of our board members, Frank Humber, you know, he certainly went to uh, a baseball player. He's uh, went to the Olympics in 88. Um, you know, Paul McCloy comes to mind. So there's definitely, uh, you know, definitely a lot of, um, you know, not to mention the, the professional athletes that we've developed. You know, obviously today we got the, you know, the uh, Alex Newhooks, uh, the, the, uh, the Mercers of the world. And, Abby you know, Newhook. <laughs> Abby Newhook, yeah. I mean, you have a lot of females that are having a lot of su- success on the international stage now as well. So, you know, and coaches, of course, as well. You know, we have a lot of coaches that are, you know, honing their skills and getting to, you know, uh, Canada Games and then going on to different types of, um, you know, national, international competitions as well. So, you know, that's the, that's the thing about the sector. It's not just our athletes. There's there's many aspects, and it's, it's not just on the playing field. It's in the board.
smaller rooms as well. So when we have a lot of people that are involved as administrators that, you know, they uh, they get to, you know, certain levels within the uh, national, international ranks and, uh, you know, they have success there. And again, you know, that could be, you know, administrators, officials, you know, coaches, whatever that is. So definitely many aspects to the, to the sport world and uh, not just, you know, what you see on the playing field, of course. And of course, all that has a big impact on the economy. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, tourism alone. I mean, when you think about tourism, I mean, that's obviously been one of the issues and one of the biggest uh, impacts to, uh, you know, to industry tourism. We've seen that during during COVID, that that was one of the biggest hit. But, you know, sport plays a big role in that area. You know, you think about all the tournaments and all the competitions that happen around the province, you know, teams traveling, you know, to go to a provincial tournament or an invitational tournament or a school tournament. Tourism is, is definitely uh, one of the biggest, uh, sport tourism, I should say, is one of the biggest uh, contributors to tourism in our province for sure. And, of course, that drives the economy and, you know, um, uh, and unfortunately, during COVID, that certainly uh, had an impact. But you know, hopefully, we're we're back to uh, you know. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of provincial uh, competitions taking place taking place again now. So, so hopefully, that's going to have a, a good impact again on the on the economy and the tourism sector. So, what sort of things is Sport and Ale working on these days? I mean, aside from uh, all the celebrations. Yeah, I mean, we're we're certainly, you know, looking to develop, uh, you know, a lot of areas like we talked about earlier. I mean, policy development is always an area that we're uh, we're focusing on. And it's interesting, you know, one of the areas that we're, uh, you know, providing opportunities for, for women and girls in sport. That's one of the big priorities now for, uh, you know, federal and provincial governments. And so that's that's certainly a big thing. But it's funny when we look back through all the minutes and that that we have from years ago, you know, back in the 70s, that was a topic. You know, that was uh, it was it was it was an area that they were focusing on back in so it's uh, as much as things change they remain the same as well and you know so that's a priority for us uh safe sport is definitely a big priority and we're, we're working on some uh, some things in that area to help our members make sure that their you know their their programs are in in a, in a place where it needs to be in terms of dealing with safe sport and whether that's abuse concussions you know whatever that that encompasses coaching you know um, you know coaching um, uh, development in terms of safe sports so so those are a couple of the areas we're going to be focusing on in the next little while and of course always recruiting volunteers and and coaches um you have any coaching clinics i know that's something you had focused on for some time there yeah no there's always there's definitely always coaching clinics uh that are happening we have a schedule that's that's available on our website and certainly coaching has been you know over the last particularly in the last you know 10 12 years it's definitely been uh been significant you know i think we've we've impacted somewhere over 10,000 coaches for, through course deliveries over the last 10 or 12 years uh, in terms of funding, I mean, there's we do coach education, so you know we give out grants to coaches who want to get trained, uh, that sort of thing. We're one of the only provinces that do free multi-sport coach education. Uh, I think, if not the only province, so it's one thing that you know we've done really well over the last number of years. Is so I think we're the envy of the country in terms of being able to deliver, deliver those free multi multi-sport coach education programs. And of course, we've got some great people that are you know helping us uh, you know uh, deliver our coaching program in the province who have been recognized now. Ashley, you know, to, you know, Jill Brewer certainly comes to mind in terms of she recently received a uh, coach developer award and Tom Godden, he's, he also received a community coach developer award in 2020. So, so we have some good things happening in that area as well. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we need those people to uh, train, you know, other, other people to keep that, keep that success going. I know you've only been with uh, Sport NL for a small portion of the 50 years, a long portion, but a small one, uh, relatively speaking. Any final thoughts uh, with a little over a minute to go? 
Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's it's you know, it's one of those things that you know, sport is so important to our community, and you know, we're happy to you know uh, play the role that we play and uh, it's it's one one part of the you know the entire sports system and you know but everybody's important and again everything we, everything we talked about today in terms of you know sport development it all it all contributes and it's it's certainly more than what people see when they go to a field or a court or or a, a an arena that sort of thing and, and you know volunteers you know and coaches and officials and all the administrators it's just uh, you know people uh, don't realize sometimes how much effort goes in behind the scenes to uh, to ensure that our our programs are what they are and what, and what they need to be so so no i definitely encourage people to uh, follow along our social media cha- channels throughout the year and just kind of you know see what uh, see what happens in terms of the celebration see what milestones we recognize and, and definitely encourage people to submit a story uh, through our website if they have one they'd like to share troy croft i really appreciate your time and uh, thanks to all the many many people for their dedication passion and uh, and the fun that they have involved in sport in Newfoundland and Labrador. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Lynn. And before I go, I, I'd be remiss uh, you know, talking about this stuff and all the recognition. I, I certainly want to congratulate you on your, uh, your recent Lifetime Achievement Award. Certainly well-deserved. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Linda. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. And uh, we've been talking a lot about um, uh, regionalization uh, as of recently, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it coming up tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.